You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Well, welcome to the Missionary Perspective Podcast. I'm Eric Johnson here with Josh Mead. Josh, what's going on there in Senegal today? Hey, we are doing great over here, enjoying the beautiful weather. We've kind of had off and on. Some days are warm, some days are chilly, uh, <laughs> some days are dusty, some days are sunny. And so we've just been uh, getting along here, moving forward in the ministry. Uh, pastor Malik, the lead pastor of our church, his wife just gave birth a couple of days ago to his uh, first son. Oh. He has a daughter wow. and uh, who was born a few years back and <laughs> now in That's his special. whole family. It's the first grandson for his mom and dad. And so they're very wow. excited. We're excited for him. And this coming Sunday morning before Sunday school, they're going to do a baby naming ceremony. Malik tries to, with the other Wolof Christians, he tries as much as possible to maintain certain aspects of his culture while remaining distinctively Christian. And so it's traditional. Wow. Not only is it biblical in the Jewish culture to mm -hmm. name your child eight days after the birth, but they also do that here in this culture. And so uh, eight days after the birth, they're going to have a baby naming ceremony. Uh, one of the local pastors here who is, I think he may be the first Wolof pastor uh, in, the, in the country here. He pastors a church down the road from us. And he's going to come and uh, do the official baby naming. He'll invite some of the neighbors. They'll have breakfast. And then we'll move on to wow. church. And so, yeah, we're excited for Pastor Malik, for his wife and his family as uh, his family continues to grow. So, yeah, busy times here. And uh, we've been we're preparing this week for a seminar on evangelism and social media. We're putting putting together a media team to uh, start producing oh, wow. uh, videos. Uh, basically to evangelize. We've got a lot of different ideas as well. We want to try to encourage other mature believers in the country uh, who are Wolof to start getting out there more and putting out more material. We're going to try to guide some, some of the uh, pastors here and believers here and setting up social media accounts to do evangelism, things like that. So we're excited, busy times. Now you've been busy. It's been a couple of weeks since we got on and have had a discussion because we've both been busy. So tell us how are things there? What, what do you got going on in the Dominican Republic? Well, uh, yeah, things staying busy. Uh, thankfully, uh, a lot of the restrictions have been uh, lifted in the last month or so. So that's actually enabled us to just uh, have made more a wide open calendar for our church family. Right. And uh, so it, every day, for the most part, like, you know, most missionaries are busy into something, whether it be discipleship or uh, training. Uh, but especially for us, our two great emphases of the year, I don't know if that's a word, emphasis is, emphasis of the year, <laughs> is, uh, is our uh, emphasize. Uh, we emphasize two big things. One is missions and the other is the family. And so right now we're in the middle of missions month. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but uh, just for us, that is a very special time, and we like to think about the needs across the world, and even on our own island. And uh, as a missionary, uh, it's just hard not to get excited about getting other people excited about missions. So that's what we're doing. Uh, we have a, a guest speaker, our former teammate, uh, Stu and Donna Scapers are coming in for a visit, and uh, the people are very excited about that. And uh, 
we've just got a whole lot of things going on in the area of missions. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that's tremendous. I'm excited. Now, as a missionary, obviously, your world revolves around missions. And you spent mm -hmm. all a deputation uh, preaching missions and presenting your mission field. And, you know, you probably went to college even and studied missions and you've read missionary biographies. And so your world is encompassed with missions. But a lot of times as missionaries, and maybe I try to think back, when did I realize and some missionaries, we get to the field, and it sometimes takes a while into our church plant that we realize, hey, I actually have to teach the believers here to do <laughs> missions. <laughs> I'm doing missions, but we need to present that to our church and cultivate that within uh, the church that we're starting. And so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, just kind of how we do that. How do you uh, present missions to the church that you're planting? And th these things will apply, you know, not just Obviously, we're coming at it from a missionary perspective. And so what are some ways as a missionary in a new place? Did you present missions? But let's go back to just the basics, Eric. How do you define missions? Because if we're going to train others, uh, what, what would you define as missions? I think we start with all of our texts for the Great Commission, you know, in a simple form. I think it's just um, preaching the gospel to those who need to hear the gospel to every creature. And so we emphasize that in our church, that it is not only a short view about those who are around us in our community, those who are in our, in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but also to the uttermost ends of the world. And so it, it starts basically with all of that. It's not, you know, necessarily a sequential order, but it's the idea that, you know, Lord, how can you use me in multiple ways, whether it be in prayer and giving and going uh, to reach the world. And so we focus there on all the New Testament scripture, scriptures to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so I think sometimes it's just, it's easy to make it very simple to understand because the task is so, so grand. Yeah, I think missions, as we define it, is the very reason why Christ called and established and, and sent out the church, right, is to fulfill the work of evangelization and calling all nations to repentance and to come to faith in Christ. It's a very reason why I love in Acts chapter one, you know, the disciples are expecting the kingdom to be established in Israel. And we believe the Lord's going to return. We believe he's going to rule and reign on the throne of David through the nation of Israel. Those days are coming, but Jesus said right now, it's not for you. And I believe he was referencing not just his disciples, but the church that he established. It's not for you to know the times or seasons, which the father hath put into his own power, his own authority, but by ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost come upon you and Holy Spirit come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. In other words, I'm sending you out. We're not going to centralize church and the purposes of God to Jerusalem. I have a new purpose for you. And that is to go into all the world and to be among the nations. You're not going to establish a nation. You're going to be in the nations, calling people uh, to come out from among the nations, to repent, to, to, to come to Christ, to be saved. And so it really encompasses uh, the very purpose for which the church was created in the first place. Now we establish, obviously, with any organization, right? Like the church, when it's organized, when the church assembles uh, for administrative purposes, we put together programs, right? We're going to have a missions program. And 
obviously missions isn't just a program of the church. We've heard that before. It's not just a cliche saying missions is the purpose of the church. We go to spread the gospel, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. It's what Jesus has called us to do. But we do set up programs. We have uh, different ways in which we try to fulfill the mission that God has called us to. And so as a missionary, as you're developing your church, and you can go back later if you want to listen to some of our earlier podcasts on how we approach church planting, whether it's here in Senegal, in a Muslim context, or in West Africa, or in Dominican Republic, in the context there. Uh, but as you're, as you're fulfilling mission as a missionary, Eric, um, when did you, in the process of planning your church, obviously you're fulfilling mission, you're forming disciples, which is the work of missions. You're, you're cultivating disciples, you're baptizing, you're teaching them to observe all things that the Lord has commanded. But at one point in your church planning effort, did you begin to make a conscious effort uh, uh, to encourage your church, not just to be mission-minded, uh, but to give to missions? So let's talk about both of those. Tell us when you started to make a conscious effort to say, hey, what I'm doing by evangelizing and discipling you, you have to go out and do that as well. And then as well, when did you begin to set up, hey, we need to give specifically for the work of missions and evangelism? Tell us a little bit about that. So I could probably say that actually started before we started our church. And the reason I say that is when we were in a language school, we visited a lot of local independent Baptist churches. There were a number of missionaries in Costa Rica, really great churches. In many cases, they were national-led churches that had been established for a long time. And one particular church I remember going to that had just, I, I can't even put into words how elaborate and extensive and wonderful their missions conference was. And like I said, this is national-led. It was a very established church. And Holly and I were maybe not surprised. Well, we weren't surprised, but, but maybe realizing, wow, you know, we love missions. We're missionaries. We've been to all these other churches and very few of them. They probably did support missionaries, but it did not seem like missions was their emphasis where so many great churches on deputation or we had been a part of missions was certainly the emphasis, uh, especially like our own home church. And I think that really started, hey, we need to really start getting serious about how we're going to start the missions program when we start planting churches. And so that's that was kind of the back of my mind. So when we started our church, it really was from day one, the idea of understanding uh, we need to start putting this in front of people quickly. Now, as far as when we formally started doing that, it was probably within the first two or three months. I do remember us obviously having right away having evangelism and those who got saved, trying to get them involved in that. But so we start our church in August. I want to say within two or three months, we started talking about missions, preaching about missions. And I believe it was that very first spring, which is when we always wanted to have our uh, our missions emphasis month, we already had it planned out. And, and like good Baptists, we already had, we had our first potluck. We had our first international <laughs> dinner where people yeah. started bringing food. And you know what? If you're a Baptist, people get excited about it right away. And I, I, from that point on, um, I try to encourage every church planter I meet, no matter what country they're in and, and, and including the ones we've sent out of our own church, I tell them right away, I said, you need to start talking to your people about missions, giving to missionaries. It doesn't matter how much you're giving. You need to get them excited about it, supporting other churches. In fact, we have our first church plant. It's kind of funny. They started supporting a missionary who had a, 
much more um, a larger church with, you know, more resources coming in. But it didn't matter. I said, you need to get behind somebody so you can have them in. They can learn about the ministry. They can learn how to pray for the missionary. And uh, so I would say right from the very beginning, the best you can start putting missions uh, in front of your church so that they know this is something that's really important to the Lord. And uh, it's really important to us. That's excellent. Yeah. So you would you would do basically a mission conference. Did you start mission conferences right away? Would you, I guess, would you bring so the, in? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us All a little right, bit yeah, about. So, so every, yeah. Um, every year, I'll say this, every, every, yeah. every year it's different. Okay. Um, some years, because of what you're saying about who can come in and encourage, whether it be a, a, a national preacher, another missionary from another country, uh, a missionary from the United States or North America, or a director, I, we've had all kinds. And so that is the kind of thing, obviously, you know, your congregation, you know, the need. Um, sometimes you make it a missions month. You know, when we first started, we weren't meeting but one time a, a week. Uh, so that for us, it was a missions month. It was for Sundays, you know. So, um, and then also depends upon your dynamic as far as you feel like your church people can come out multiple nights in a week. There have been different times in our life when we had a special speaker in just for two or three days. And so we would do that. So that, you know, that has evolved over the years. Um, but what we try to do is choose the month. Now, for me, I tend to choose. It's interesting uh, because of the context we have here. I choose usually whatever month Easter is not. That's the month. You know, so if it's if it's in April this year, missions month is in March. If yeah. it's in March, missions month. And for the reason for that is because here in the Dominican Holy Week or Semana Santa is, is the week where everybody scatters. They go to the beach, they go to the river, they go to visit their, their Aunt Ethel or whatever, you know, so they're, they're gone. And so you kind of lose a whole week and really almost two Sundays of your faithful core being there because that's just, that's spring break, if you will. And so it's really hard if you're going to make it a month emphasis right. to have that because then you just, you get that chopped out. So I usually choose that unless I'm having a speaker in. And so we started right away. I'm trying to remember who our first speaker, I have to go back. I'm so old. I don't remember that, but I believe we had a month of Sundays. And then on the last Sunday, so I did three Sundays where I preached on missions, explaining faith promise, explaining the Great Commission, explaining our need to be a part of that. And then the last Sunday, we had our good old fashioned, we introduced them to an international dinner. And uh, boy, they sure love that. And uh, we had a speaker come in, emphasize mission. I believe it was actually another fellow missionary came in and uh, they loved it. And the first faith promise, I was blown away with their commitment. And over the years, it's just only increased. Now, you've talked about in the past um, having a couple guys, a couple nationals there that you thought would maybe become the lead pastor of your church. And then it just ended up they went out and just had a heart to go and start a church in another area. And so you're still technically the lead pastor. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Right. And so you you being fully supported in the States that your church right now. Uh, doesn't need to pay a salary for a pastor per se. Would you say your church is at a place right now where they could support a pastor full-time or would a national pastor still need to either raise support or work a job uh, to just trying to get an idea where, where mm -hmm. the budget is of your church? Cause we're going to look at different right. stages mm -hmm. where a missionary might be at and how do you, I've got a question I want to ask in a minute, but yeah. go ahead and just maybe give us a kind of a rundown on where you're at financially with your church. 
Yeah, I believe right now the church could uh, support a mission, uh, a pastor on a salary, as well as continue to uh, faith, be faithful in missions, pay their maintenance fees. Um, and that just shows that the, the Lord has blessed them over the years. So we have a very, I think, faithful and generous church. So where would you say as you're, you know, in the process of, you know, setting up a mission program and getting your church excited to give, how would you, you know, before, let's go back to maybe before your church was at a place where they could financially support a missionary and a national, let's say there was, you had, you had to choose between two. Now we're going to get, you know, down the road when the church does have enough finances to be considered self-supporting. Um, but how would you balance on teaching, giving to missions, and then giving to meet the needs of the local church, which would include paying the salary of a pastor, uh, maybe just the maintenance of your building, uh, as well as uh, perhaps, you know, funds for basic, you know, ministry outreach for your local area. So what did you, did you kind of balance both of those out and say, hey, we need to be doing both at the same time? Or did you emphasize one more and just trust the Lord to provide for the other? What was kind of your approach to that? Well, uh, you know, I don't know necessarily was the, the best way because, you know, that's <laughs> someone's opinion or perspective. Sure, sure, yeah. We, 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 did, we knew that we would be, I would be the pastor here for quite some time. So we really did strongly emphasize mission. So were there times when people might have, been confused understanding tithing and then above and beyond missions there certainly have been times and we try to make that emphasis and explain mm -hmm. that but to be honest uh people have just over the years have seemed to understand that explaining the basic necessities we have for the church here to pay for you know maintenance to to put the gas in the tank of the church right. van to pay for new paint those kinds of things they're very generous and they've always seemed to understand missions. And so if I had to say which side we pushed more, we probably pushed missions, especially early on, because I really understood. And I mean, I think this is the part, kind of the whole reason for this podcast is that I found it very eye-opening that when others visit our church, let's say from North America, whether it be church groups or other pastors, mm -hmm. they are uh, very surprised. And I'm sure there's missionaries listening today who might have the same experience. They're very surprised when they come to our church and they see on the wall, you know, the different missionaries we support in different places in the world. I'm like, oh, wow, you've got support missionaries. How neat is that? I'm like, well, shouldn't we? I mean, isn't that something that every <laughs> local New Testament church should do? Yeah. And so because we believe that and we believe everything we do about missions, we believe a church that puts missions first, that understands how to give to missions, you know, the Lord's going to take care of the rest of their needs. And he has, obviously, in our churches. And that's one of the reasons why we teach it to our church planners. So that's why we made maybe even more of an emphasis in giving to missions so they could capture that. And uh, what we've even incorporated in our missions giving is that our two church planners we sent out from our church, we support them at a higher level than the average missionary we support. So that if we had to leave tomorrow, that our church is already established. They're, right. they're supporting their, their, their church's planners out a little bit more. Uh, so that'll help those, uh, those church planners out. And so, you know, we just love missions and we've just tried to emphasize it really from the very, very beginning. Yeah. I love that. I think it's uh, I think that's the right approach, right? You emphasize what God emphasizes. You emphasize what you find in scriptures and you, you see, 
just a giving heart and churches that were blessed in the New Testament were churches that were just full of grace, love for the Lord, and churches like the churches in Macedonia who were willing to go without themselves so that they could reach out to others and meet the needs of others. And so I think a church will be blessed when you do begin to emphasize and you place that emphasis on reaching others in the area of missions using, you know, finances and funds. We, we do the same thing here in the church. I, I do believe now nowhere in the scriptures, is there, you know, anywhere that it says you have to pay a full-time salary for an elder or a pastor in your church, but it says you need to honor, you know, those who right. with physical material honor those who, uh, who oversee the church. Um, obviously for the missionary, we put into practice the principle that the apostle Paul would put into practice, which was as a foreigner, you could say, that's not from this city. You know, Paul wasn't from Thessalonica say, and he said, I, I won't take funds from you, even though I have the right to, because I'm ministering to you, I'm not going to take funds so that the ministry isn't blamed. And we, we explained that to the church here. I explained it to the people in the church here that I don't take a salary from the church. Cause I don't want anybody to ever say, and I think this was Paul's reasoning is that I don't want anybody to ever say, well, the reason you became a missionary is so that you could get the money from us over here in Seneca, you know, and, and enrich yourself, which you're going to be going a long time before you become a wealthy pastor, you know, if you're going to try to get money out of the small, you know, poor Senegalese church. But at the same time, we do place an emphasis on um, honoring the pastor. And, and Pastor Malik is a lead pastor. We have one Sunday a month that the offering is dedicated uh, to him and his salary. Eventually, I'd like to get to a place where there's a fixed salary for him. Uh, but right now we try to emphasize those. So we basically have three main offering emphasis, which is uh, to support the pastor. We emphasize uh, missions. So anything that's mission related uh, outreach, we sometimes will send money to a, a gentleman that we sent out from our church to the Gambia. He's working with Daniel and Sarah Jenkins. And so uh, we try to help him out once in a while. Um, and then we do as well, um, just the general fund for the needs of the church and everything. And so we split that up into those three main emphasis. And we do place a lar large emphasis on missions giving. So another question I would ask is within the context of your church there and mission work, how do you define what mission work is for your mission budget? So you have, do you, do you do faith promise mission? Like a lot of churches do it, it. Do people mark it like this is for missions. And then how do you define what that money goes toward? Yeah. So basically we made it real simple from the very beginning. We did implement and explain faith promise missions. Um, whereas above and beyond your tithes and offerings specifically to missions. And one of the things I have no idea what the context is like there, uh, but here in this culture, especially even in this town, there probably because from what I'm told, uh, testimonies I've received, there are, there are many, many, many pastors and churches that people have left because of the poor way they deal with finances, whether it be mm. stealing from the funds of the church or uh, just overemphasizing every week about about money. In fact, we, we will only talk about money this month. 
And we are very specific. One of the things we always say, I always say from the pulpit is that every peso that we receive for missions goes out to missionaries. Hmm. And we, to this point, have only supported church planting missionaries, whether they be in this country or in others. And so um, I understand that missions has other aspects to it. And and we, we, we talk about that in different podcasts, but for the context of our church, we define it so people will understand very clearly right now missions to be um, uh, giving to the church planter who is planting a church for the glory of God. Now, I say that one of the things we do, and we're doing it again this year, we sometimes will have a special missions project. If I could take you outside and here into our auditorium, we have two five gallon jugs of water okay. and uh, we're putting like um, uh, change and change offering. And we yeah. have the men versus the ladies. <laughs> and uh, three years ago, we did that. And we took up a, a really big offering because one of our church planting missionaries who is about two towns away, he's a Mexican missionary, but he's, he's, wor- he's working here. He hadn't been home and his family hadn't been home in seven years to see their family. Seven years. So they'd never gone off the mission field to go back and see their family. Yeah. And he, he had become very dear and his family had become very dear to our church. And so we started doing this competition, trying to get people involved in, in giving their change uh, so we could help buy them tickets. And it was exciting. I, I can't remember the final analysis was, it was several hundred dollars where yeah. we were able to buy, I think with our offering, I think we were able to buy two, maybe three tickets. And with some offerings we had saved back, but you know what? There were other people who heard about the, the offering. Uh, one gentleman who was kind of a more affluent man who during the offering said, you know, just count me down for one ticket, which was a, a big, you know, they were going to Mexico. It was like six, $700 ticket. And uh, so things like that, sometimes it's not necessarily just a faith promise. We will have a special project. Like right now we're, there's a special project we're giving to right now uh, for a gentleman who needs a church building. And we emphasize, you know, God gave us this beautiful church building six, seven years ago. And this church basically started a year after we did. And they still just, you know, have blocks. They don't even have a wall yet. Right. And, um, you know, I think that that encourages people to be generous when you re- remind them of the blessings that they have. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, in the process of you developing, you know, your missions program and developing a heart for missions in, in your church, uh, obviously, as your church grows, you become more structured. What did that look like right now? I guess there's there's two questions. Let's go to the stage where you're at now and then maybe back up to where you began and then tell us how you transition. So I'm assuming right now you probably have a treasure in your church or do you handle all of the finances? I guess the question is who decides how the money is allocated uh, and who oversees the funds, both in collection of the funds and the delivery of the funds to the missionary. Um, and then it, Obviously, you play a large role in that as the pastor, but is there, have you set up accountability within the church? Do you have multiple men overseeing that? And then go back and tell us how you started. So tell us where you're at right now, then go back to tell us when it was just you, right? I mean, you were probably the one overseeing the finances and things, or was that something you immediately set up with having other men in the church oversee it? What what was that kind of like that process? Um, it's always been very simple. We basically receive the offerings, we notate them, and now we have men who do that. Um, we have decided early on on the specific amount. It's a, it's because of the exchange rate. I think in dollars it's gone down a little bit, but basically it's a peso amount 
uh, which was kind of equivalent to 40. It was used to be at $50. Now it's closer to $40. And yeah, we basically as a church, we'll have the missionaries in. There, there have been a few cases where uh, a friend of mine who's a missionary in Honduras, uh, Matt Goins, who I've interviewed, yeah. he has a church planner sent out of his church. I had the privilege to go personally and see his church, vouch for it, come back with videos, explain to our church. But as a church, we decide together who we're going to support. Um, obviously, as the pastor, you know, I'm kind of the first line of defense. I'm the one that does most of the finding and encouraging. Um, and then thankfully, a lot of these guys we've been able to have come in. Now, one thing that is unique that we have tried to do that I just think is a good idea. We try to have missionaries that speak Spanish. Now, what does that mean? Basically, uh, we have a missionary who's he's from Mexico, but he's serving in Burkina Faso, Africa. Okay. Um, we, we have good friends who are there who work with him, who vouch for him, uh, who know him well. And so we're able to have a presence in our church supporting a missionary in Africa. But yeah. all of his correspondence with us is in Spanish. And so the reason we've done that, we have a missionary in Venezuela who's also been able to visit. We have a missionary in Honduras, as I mentioned. We have missionaries here. Uh, we have a missionary who serves, uh, goes back and forth to Haiti, who, even though he speaks Creole, also speaks Spanish. Okay. And so the reason I have done that is that if we have to leave tomorrow, the church, uh, even though we do have people who speak English, can, can stay in communication with these missionaries. And so that's just a philosophy. Obviously, that's not having to be biblical, but that just makes it easier as we share prayer letters and videos that right away the people can have a connection with their missionary. And so uh, as far as the, the funds go, we do have people in the church who count the funds, send it out. Most of them are just once we receive the funds, we actually we have saved our mission money over the year that we actually give our missions in a lump sum at the beginning of the year. Um, it just makes okay. it easier to go to the bank and do it so that way. Uh, with the only exception is I think through our mission agency, I send uh, funds out to one missionary. Okay. Oh, very good. Now, early on, early stages of missionary, let's let's speak to the uh, young missionary couple that's going to an isolated area, maybe where there's not, where church isn't really a thing. I'm thinking, you know, somewhere in a Muslim country or somewhere in an mm -hmm. isolated region where the church is very either young, uh, it's very small minority of the population are believers. And so this whole concept that is recognizable in a more developed country of having missions conference and having um, kind of more of a structure. When you go back to just when it's just you and your family um, with your finances, what were some ways, because I think this is really important. What were some ways that you made sure that your church understood that you are being above board as much as possible with the giving in the church, whether it was missions or even just offerings. Again, did you right away as the church was organized and structured, as soon as you started taking up offerings, did you have multiple people overseeing it? Um, I know on our end, uh, for the first quite a few years, it was just myself and the other missionary would oversee it, but then it was just me. And, um, it was, it was a little more tricky because I want to make sure the church knows I'm not taking any money yeah. for myself. We have a budget and all this. So what was that like for you? Were you able right away to set up a structure? 
And what would you recommend to a young um, man who doesn't have that, you know, maybe at first? I definitely think that uh, those are really important. Early on, it was me and I can't remember how early it was that we had a gentleman helping out. Uh, we probably, I can honestly say we probably could have done a better job at this. And it's funny, as I've learned how much the financial um, accountability is necessary in this culture. Now, one thing I would say is, especially because the people who came to our church who understood how much our first facilities cost uh, to rent. Yeah. Um, by, before we left our current the facilities we rented, we were paying close to $1,000 a month in rent. And the people there, for the most part, knew that. And they knew we weren't getting anywhere close to $1,000 a month in, in offering. So I <laughs> right. think just the sheer understanding that uh, pastor and the churches that help him are helping us support that. I think probably assuage any fear of that. But I do remember how transparent we tried to be by explaining all the projects, so especially when we started construction, um, when we built the church and buying the property, everyone was involved in that. I do remember at the near the end of that church construction project, um, when people were just amazed how God had brought in the provisions, not just from work groups coming in, but the people's generosity. Um, I remember someone making the comment, basically, uh, pastor, trust me, everyone feels confident how we're taking care of the money. He said, what we've done with our really small offerings, you know, he's like, this kind of project would have taken two or three years in another church, meaning other people would have been taking from the funds. And so we've always felt like that's really important to put that out there. I know we could do a better job of it. I know I think our, we have a very simple budget and we take theirs of things very simply, but you're 100% right early on, the, as soon as you can get those things out there where the people feel real confident that multiple people are having checks and balances. And that's always a great idea. So I want to speak to my experience in just when we, when we took over the church, when we kind of came to this uh, new part of town, we started the church here little by little, it began to grow, more people began to attend. And then when the former missionaries that we worked with left and went back uh, to another field, and then ended up going back to the States, uh, the, the those who were attending his church all came over and, and began attending our church. And so what I found was in my experience is that as a Western missionary, as a foreign missionary, us, the, the people that were attending our church who did have a consistent salary, uh, they were making, you know, a decent salary and were tithing and giving. What I found was uh, when we transitioned to uh, Pastor Malik becoming the national pastor, there was a lot of trust with me handling the finances. It was almost, especially with those who were the primary givers, there was just this, you know, confident, we're, we're sure that you're going to handle the finances fine. You don't even need the finances. Obviously, you're well supported by, you know, your churches. And so there was kind of though this understanding that it was almost this blind trust that we're just assuming, yeah. you know, the missionary is going to be above board. And, and we were, I, you know, obviously we recorded everything. We were very transparent, but what I saw happen though, was when pastor Malik became the lead pastor as a national, uh, pastor, a couple of people in the church who were our largest givers, they started coming directly to me and giving, handing me envelope with their tithe. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't want this. Like, this is not how I want it to be done. 
and I don't, I don't, I can't speak to their motivation, whether it was like, we don't trust, you know, the national pastor, or I don't know what it was, but I thought we need to be intentional in how we're developing this transparency and how we give. And so the first thing we started doing when I noticed that happening was uh, let people know we've set up a system. We have men in the church. Uh, it's multiple checks and balances for, you know, who's counting the money, who's signing for it. And then allocating a budget and and all of the leadership in the church knows what's going on. And, and we're very transparent about uh, how the money is used. And so uh, I, I let people know, hey, you know, we have a b- offering box, you know, don't bring me the money directly, put the money in the <laughs> offering box and don't worry, it's going to get taken care of and things like that. Uh, and, you know, because we had to build that trust with, uh, you know, Pastor Malik being the lead pastor, not that they didn't trust him, it was just I don't know. I don't know what the motivation was. So that was one thing right. I noticed. And so if you're a missionary in a place that is poor and uh, like West Africa, and maybe somebody begins attending your church, you need to keep that in mind that if you're transitioning to a national pastor, you need to make sure those who uh, do have a decent salary are well-educated and, you know, and such as that, that uh, they understand that there is there is a system set in place for accountability within the church. And you spoke to that about just the importance of uh, fiscal responsibility, accountability in the church. Then the other thing I noticed, um, and this is something that doesn't apply to everybody in every country, but one thing I noticed here, and it may be in other West African countries, is that those who were our biggest givers in the church, they were sending a large sum of their of their I don't know if they counted it as their tithe or offerings, but they would send a large sum to their to a church or a ministry that was located in whatever village they were from. Okay. They wanted to support. So there's a couple in our church that are from a village in the south, a very poor village. There's a ministry there, there's a church there, but they the church can't support the pastor. And so I I was unaware people can do whatever they want with their own money. And that's what I always tell people. I mean, it's between you and the Lord. I, I can't tell you what you're going to do. I'm going to preach what the Bible teaches. But as we, um, as we transitioned to pastor Malik taking over, I did do a month on just, you know, what the Bible teaches about giving and supporting the church. And that's when some, a couple came to me, the husband and wife at two separate times and asked me that question. Like they said, do, should I give the predominant, amount of my tithe to the church here because we send this much, you know, to our church down there. And I said, well, first of all, obviously you're going to do, you know, it's your finances. That's between you and the Lord. And I just gave the analogy of, and this is why, again, I'm going to come back to you. Yes. I think we need to place an emphasis on missions and giving to missions early on. Well, what I realized was those who did have the means to give were already giving to missions per se. They were sending it out, but they were not going through their local church. And so what I realized the way we approached emphasizing it, I told them, look, if you as the husband, I told the husband and to the wife, I said, if your husband goes out and makes X amount of dollars and he takes, you know, a large portion of that, sends it to his family in the village to help feed them. Then he takes another portion of it and he sends it over here. And then you're left with, you know, 10 bucks at the end of the month. He's like, here, take this and do what you can with it. How would you respond? The wife's like, well, no, he has to feed us first. 
And then if he's got enough, he can send it out to help with others. And I said, well, that's kind of the approach I think we should take with your, with your church. We're a family and um, there are needs that we have as a local church and the local church also as an assembly, we work together as a family to reach out and meet the needs of others as we are able to, it's not just a one man thing. And so if you have a church in the South that, you know, it's a worthy cause and it's, you know, they're poor and they have needs, uh, then I think collectively as a church, we can do more to try to reach them than just you as an individual sending a portion of your salary. And so if you want to bring it up to us as a leadership of the church and say, hey, can we can we consider, you know, sending here's this need, we'll evaluate that. And if you want to do that through your local church, I believe that's more biblical. Now, again, if you want to send money down there on your own, that's totally up to you. That's, that's your decision. But I do believe and so we began emphasizing that I believe you need to take care of your pastor as much as possible. Obviously, we're supported, we don't take a salary. Uh, but we do have a national pastor here. And so, yes, if you want to help out the, the pastor that's in your home village, you know, 500 miles from here, that's wonderful. That's great. But I think you need to make sure also you're, you're honoring the ones who are overseeing your spiritual life here and make sure you're helping take care of your local pastor as well. And so we're, that's when we began to kind of develop our mission program in our mission program at this point, because we're still in our early stages, we're still a young church. Our mission program not only includes sending offerings to those who are missionaries working in church planning, it also encompasses um, helping with particular needs that can help advance the cause of Christ in the work of evangelism. And so we don't at this point right now, and we're actually this year, we're going to introduce probably this is the year when we introduce faith promise and targeted giving monthly to support. But at this point, up until now, we've done targeted giving where we'll say, all right, this offering is mission Sunday. And this is the project that we're giving toward. We have this need that's in, you know, in this church in the South and they need for this and they're, you know, they're doing this or that. And as long as pastor Malik and I are in an agreement that this is part of a mission, you know, need, then we'll say, hey, church, this Sunday, you know, try to raise some money, save some money up, we're going to give and then this is going to be a one time offering for this need. And so that's where we're at right now, uh, making sure that we're just trying to get people to say, hey, let's, as a church family, we want to use our resources together uh, to, to reach the world whether it's Senegal, whether it's our town, whether it's supporting our pastor or supporting a pastor in an area of this country where they're, uh, where it's poverty stricken and they have needs. Uh, so we want, we want to try to do that together as a family. And now that I feel like this year, we've really got to that place where people are now learning that, Hey, I, I need to, you know, we need to flow through the local church. We need to work together as a family. And I think now we're finally at a place I think where, and, and again, there are others who have different approaches. Some say, no, you got to start faith promise right away before you support a, the pastor. That's I don't think there's any right or wrong way. If you're just giving, you know, giving to the work of the Lord. I'm just, so this is just how we approached it. So right now we're at the place now where we're going to get into a more consistent giving. Uh, our church has a right. We pretty much have a pretty good budget right now. I think our church for as small as it is in a poor country, we're averaging right now, maybe two or $300 a month 
Uh, that's separate from what we give. And so that's, um, that's not a bad budget for a little church like this that can cover some of Malik's salary that covers some of the minor expenses of the church, just the building and everything. And then that, um, allows us to do some mission work as well. And so, yeah, it's real important. Make sure you just, yeah, keep missions out there, develop a missions heart. And, uh, how would you say to close out Eric, you've already sent out a couple guys, uh, that have, you know, kind of been discipled through your church. What role did the emphasis of missions play in influencing people in your church? Have you seen the emphasizing of missions influence and impact the men in your church that have said, Hey, I want to go out and, you know, get the gospel out and start a church somewhere where there's no gospel. How, does that play a role in that? I definitely think yes. Uh, I think in the case of our first church planter, Ari, I think it was already in his mind when he first right. came to our church that he wanted to start a church. But I think the more we emphasize missions, the more we would go visit other church planting missionaries who are friends and get the more we got excited about seeing new churches, I think really just sped up his calendar, you know, and he just I kind of thought he would be my assistant maybe for a number right. of years. And you could just tell the Lord was really working on his heart. Like, and then, and then the Lord in another story we'll have for another day is how he opened the door for us to buy his property. And so, you know, I tend to go slower. I don't really want to rush it, but when the Lord is calling someone to do something, uh, you, you try to get behind it. And it was obviously the Lord was in it with our second church planner, brother Elias. It definitely, I think played a point, a part in it just, First of all, he has a very evangelistic spirit, spirit, and I really thought he might want to be the, you know, the Lord might call him to be the pastor here. We actually had that conversation, right. and he was like, no, no, pastor, I don't, I don't see myself being a pastor. Well, <laughs> when Pastor Ari started his church, and he was there helping him get, I could just see the tumblers moving, and within a short amount of time, I mean, within weeks, I think, uh, where he had been bringing a number of young people in from the, on a bus route, I, he just said, you know, pastor, there's nothing out here. I need to start this. And so, you know, that, I, I think all that just came from a big emphasis and that, you know, I want to back up a little bit, just to add something before we end, you know, we were just talking this long time here about money and we do know that that's, you know, a big part of missions, but for us, um, very seldom do we take a lot of things from the culture we came from. Okay. We understand we've talked a lot about, um, you know, adapting to the culture you're in, embracing it, the good parts and everything. But I will say this, we did learn, I believe, lots of great principles about missions in our North American churches. And I do believe it's one of the things we probably do very well, okay? There, there are lots of nuances. We can talk about little things. But a lot of the things we do here, you will have seen in a lot of churches back home, and the people have embraced it. They, that The missions was not a part of their culture. Even some of the wonderful, very sound doctrine uh, national churches here, when they come and they're a part of our missions programs, they love it because they haven't really been exposed to it. So what I'm talking about, you know, even silly little tiny things like having flags in your auditorium, having a procession of flags, singing songs about missions. Um, one of the things I love that we did a couple of years ago, and we try to implement it every year, is we've taken gentlemen in our church who would teach Sunday school, and I would give them assignments with different missionaries throughout history. And they would, they would collect these biographies and make it maybe a 20, 30-minute synopsis, and they would give it to the people explaining who this missionary was. And in fact, one of the more exciting days, something I always wanted to do, 
is that uh, this gentleman went and got the, the story and the biography and, and some, some facts about the first North American missionary who came here to our city, who they actually, a lot of them knew, the older gentlemen, older people in the church knew him uh, before he passed away. And he gave, they gave his biography. And man, the people just got so excited about missions because then it became you know personal to their own city. Um, trying to think, you know, we like to find videos that encourage their testimonies. Thankfully, in the, in the Spanish language, you can find a lot of missions videos. And so just like what you might think you would see in your home church or on, on the road there on deputation, a lot of those things, I know we're pulling them from North America, but let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with those things. And so you have to find out for your own church context what's going to work. But I think you can use a lot of those same tools to get your people excited. In fact, I became a missionary because I went on a missions trip. So what do we try to do? We try to take missions trips. Now, they're not exactly the same. We're not going for weeks on end. We're not going to other countries yet. I know other missionaries who can. I think you guys are. We, we actually you know, go to different cities, and we whether it's evangelism. In this case right now, we're taking this big love offering for this gentleman in the capital. And when we get the money, we're going to get a number of men together and go for a day or two. We're going to help build the floor of this church building, you know, the things we learned back in, you know, North America and the States are very encouraging to the people here. Now, it may not work in every missionary context. We understand that. But just because it was an idea of America doesn't mean we have to throw it out and say we have to learn the new culture here. There are some great ideas that you can implement. And so I would say to the missionary listening who's maybe never jumped into missions too much, you know, think about what you experience while you're on deputation. And maybe one of those things or three or four of those things would really encourage your church family to really capture the vision just like you did in the area of missions. Totally agree. I totally agree. That's awesome. There's so much that you can implement and be, you have to be intentional though in it. You know, this is actually the first year, for example, that we're doing a mission trip with our church family. And we've invited anybody in the church that's able to come. We're going to go down to Gambia with Danny and Sarah Jenkins. We're spending about four or five days down there, have a big evangelistic outreach program. We already do a yearly tournament with uh, street kids in our city here. So we're just, we're going to do that down there. Uh, Pastor Malik and I are going to put on a a biblical faith conference where we're going to talk about, uh, you know, share the, share the gospel basically and invite uh, different churches and uh, even unbelievers uh, from around the region where Daniel's planting his church, try to bring a lot of people in. It's just, we're really excited about it. And I think it's going to bring new life to our church to not only uh, for them to see, Hey, you know, there's needs all over and we can make an impact, not just in our own city, but I think, you know, going on a mission trip does revitalize a passion to realize, you know, I can do the same thing I'm doing here in Gambia as I do uh, that. I need to do this at home. And I've heard pastors in the past say, you know, some of you people, you go, maybe not that derogatory, but sometimes you go on mission trip and you'll do evangelism and stuff and be bold. And then you come home and you don't do anything. And I think, no, I, most I've seen those who go on missions trips, man, if they're not doing evangelism the way they should be at home, a mission trip will get it kicked into gear. And a lot of times if a missionary is a good host, he'll let the church know who's come to visit. Hey, all we're doing here on the mission field is what you can be doing back home and reaching people for the gospel and making disciples. And I think it revitalizes people and gets them excited to go back home and, Hey, let's start being mission minded 
where we're at. We're not just sending money and labors to other countries, but we need to be doing the work here at home. And I think that's, I'm looking forward to see that impact on our church as, as we go to Gambia and come back and say, Hey, let's keep doing this here at home and just continue to get the gospel out, continue to evangelize. And so uh, make that emphasis missionary. If you're just starting out, it's never too soon to place an emphasis on missions and take, like Eric said, take something that you learned on deputation, take it, something in the, in our structure in the churches and try to get, get it implemented right away and just get, develop a heart for the Lord and for world evangelism right away. And you'll see a church that is just alive with passion to reach the loss with the gospel, whether it's in your own neighborhood or whether it's uh, in other parts of the country around the world. And so Eric, is there anything you want to close out with as we finish up? I just think we've said it, we'll say it again. You know, if it's really important to you and you put it in your preaching, you put it in your calendar, it will eventually be very important to your church. Yeah. And so, you know, missionary, it's only going to be as important as you make it. And uh, trust me, if you're making an emphasis, you make it important, the church will understand it. They'll see the scriptures and they'll follow your lead. Well, praise the Lord. Well, hope you'll uh, share this uh, podcast, maybe share it with a young missionary family that are just starting out on the mission field somewhere. And uh, if you're a veteran missionary, send us some ideas. What have you done to implement missions yes. into your church. We want to know, we want to hear from you. And uh, maybe in the future, we'll do another podcast with some ideas of what other veteran missionaries have done. And I'm looking forward. I think this is going to be a great year. We've already, Eric, this is our sixth month that we've been doing the podcast. And so I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying the interviews. Only uh, seems like it's been about five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I've really been enjoying the interviews. I've been enjoying uh, just the conversations I have with you, seeing how the Lord is blessing your work there in Dominican Republic and some of the things that you do. I'm stealing and I'm implementing over here and uh, in Senegal. And so just we're looking forward to seeing how the Lord will continue to bless in the work of world evangelism around the world. And if we can just play a small role in encouraging a a young man somewhere who's going into missions, that's all we want to do. And so this is Josh Mead from Senegal, West Africa. Eric Johnson and Dominican Republic. Have a great day. God bless.